Hello, coaches. On this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast, we talk with Ashley Ingram, run game coordinator and offensive line coach at the U.S. Naval Academy. You can connect with Coach Ingram via social media on Twitter. He is at Coach A. Ingram. And again, that's at Coach Capital A. Ingram on Twitter. We discuss his background, how he establishes who he plays at his offensive line positions, and how option football can lend itself to a positive team culture. Episode three of the Mesh, Mesh Point podcast. Uh, I'm Matt McLeod, and uh, yeah, Tony's. Uh, we put Tony on assignment. He's been working uh, up in Alaska uh, at a camp there, and uh, he's trying to get back on uh, East Coast time. So he's on assignment right now. But we're extremely excited to uh, to have Coach Ashley Ingram on the podcast with us. Uh, uh, coach Ingram's the uh, run game coordinator, O line coach at the Naval Academy, and. Uh, you know, like I said, Coach, we're extremely excited to have you on to uh, to talk some option football with us. And uh, maybe if you could start off for some guys that may not know you or know your background, maybe you could tell us a little bit about where you're from and, you know, sort of where you played and, and then how you've kind of you know, woven your, your coaching trail to where you're at, at Navy now. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys having me and obviously super excited to, to talk football, but maybe more importantly, excited to talk option football. Uh, yeah, I'll run through my background. I've, I've been uh, so blessed to, to just be around great people throughout my career and throughout my life. But um, I'm from Iron City, Georgia. Probably never heard of it. It's about 300 people. Uh, <laughs> I drove 15 miles to school. I went to a 1A school, Miller County High School, where my dad was the coach. My dad is a retired high school coach in Georgia, coached 43 years. Uh, had a lot of success down in southwest Georgia, but went to a 1A school, which was the only school in the county. Went to a, a school that did not have a – and a county and a town that did not have a traffic light in it. Oh, wow. Had to drive an hour to see a movie. I mean, really rural south Georgia, farmland, uh, but they are super passionate about their football down there. And was blessed to play for my dad there and then went to North Alabama and – Played for Bobby Wallace there, who uh, obviously is a Division II Hall of Fame coach. Yep. Has done great things. We were fortunate enough to win three national championships while I was there. Uh, but when they recruited me, um, we were just a kind of a conventional I team. And he hired a guy named Willie Slater in 1992. Willie Slater uh, is probably one of the least told stories in all of college football, in my opinion. He was – a great football player at West Alabama, but then he was the offensive coordinator at Troy when they won two national championships running wishbone. Uh, he comes to North Alabama, and he's there a year, and then we win the national championship the next three years. I mean, a great football coach, and we were running eye option. I know it's a question we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah. 
uh, and I'll talk about that, but great football coach, um, had a great O-line coach there, David Martin, who um, yeah, I kind of try to model myself after a little bit, was a, an inspiration to me and a, kind of a mentor to me. Uh, Bobby Wallace then gets the, the head job at Temple, and I went up to be a graduate assistant with him. Again, uh, just surrounded by great people. He hired Tim Stowers to be his offensive line coach, who had been at Georgia Southern um, under Irk Russell. Paul Johnson was there at one point. He took over for Irk Russell, won a national championship. So he comes up, and, and uh, I'm his grad assistant. Also on staff there, we had Rocky Hager, who okay. uh, really yep. good, who was a split back fear guy at North Dakota State throughout the 80s and 90s, where they won four national championships, I think. Uh, I mean, I've just been around. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're around a bunch of awesome, like, coaches, not just coaches, but option guys, you know, early on. I mean, that's awesome. No, it was good stuff. Rob Likens was there, who's a dear friend of mine, uh, who's now the OC at Arizona State. Um, I mean, just, just awesome people. Al Kincaid was there, who had worked for Pat Dye, running yep. Wishbone at East Carolina, then at Wyoming, yep. the head coach at uh, Wyoming and then Arkansas State. So just around some awesome people. Uh, I left there and I went to Atlanta to North Cobb High School, coached a year of high school football there. Uh, had a great experience there. Worked for a guy named Bob Clark. And we were a wing T team, but still ran some option principles. Right. Uh, a year there, I went to West Alabama, coached the offensive line there for a guy named Bobby Johns, who had been in contact with Tim Stowers when we were at um, up at Temple. So he went to the double slot option. Bobby Johns is a legendary player for Bear Bryant, was a consensus All-American. He coached at Florida State and places like that for Bobby Bowden. Uh, um, Tommy Laurendine was our offensive coordinator. You know, Tommy since then has been uh, the OC at Lenore Ryan, the OC at the Citadel, the head coach at uh, Swanee. Now he's the OC at Mississippi College, running option. So, again, great option people, just blessed. And then – Tim Stowers got the head job at the University of Rhode Island. Right. Obviously, we played against each yeah. other. Times right. Mary, so I went with him, who I GA'd for and coached for him for six years at URI. Harold Nichols was our OC there. Yeah. Harold had been with coach at uh, Georgia Southern, another great guy, another great option mind. Uh, so I had a great run there, URI, and had a, had a blast. And then I Yeah, went Coach, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you now, you know – I know what, 01, if I remember right, y'all were eight and three. Is that right? The yeah. uh, only third, Rhode Island's been playing football, I think, 115 years. They've won eight games three times. So Right. And I, if I remember right now, between, let's say, 2000, when I think y'all got up there, and now I, they probably had, I mean, I could be wrong, but. Uh, they probably had more than five winning seasons, right? I mean, I, you know. Probably not. They're not scoring right. either. So. I mean, I but mean, I, I thought y'all did a heck of a job, man. I mean, I did. I, yeah. You know. It was fun. And uh, I go from there to uh, Bucknell, got the OC job there. And uh, for Tim Landis, who's a, a good guy, had been the head coach at Davidson and then St. Mary's. And at St. Mary's, well, at Davidson and St. Mary's started running option. Uh, had Ian Shields with him at St. Mary's and then Bucknell, Tim Camp, I took over for him. And on that staff, uh, we had Brent Thompson, uh, who's now the head coach at the Citadel. He coached the quarterbacks, obviously did a great job. Yep. And Matt Lentell was there with us. He's the head coach at State College and 
and Pennsylvania is doing a great job there. I mean, so I just, I've just been super fortunate to be around great people. Um, while at Rhode Island, uh, Chris Colton was coaching with us up there. He got on at Navy. Chris is a good friend of mine. And then right. uh, when Coach Johnson left to go to um, Georgia Tech, I got hired by Coach Neil Matalolo at the Naval Academy. And obviously, he's been a great run here. And you know, in, in my opinion, maybe a little biased, but I think I have probably one of the better jobs in the country. Uh, well, yeah, I mean. And if you're running option football, Navy's kind of the place you wanted to get to. Um, and then just to be surrounded by Coach Nehemiah, Ivan Jasper, um, you know, Joe Dupay, Danny O'Rourke, Mickey O'Connor, Mike Judge. Just we have a great staff. So I've just been super blessed. And I guess if you wanted to write the script on a career and run an option football and the people you'd want to surround yourself with, I've, I've been super fortunate to get around some pretty dang good people. Yeah, Coach, that's awesome. I mean, you know, the, the who's who of uh... – of option guys. And, and I tell you, having been up with you guys and visited with, <clears throat> with Navy, you're right. I mean, you know, those guys that you work with every day are great people, great men. And that's, you know, when you're in that setting, like you are day in and day out, you know, it's important to be around, you know, good guys. I mean, take the part out that they know a ton of stuff about what you're doing, but just good people to be around that you can sit in a room with and, you know, just talk other stuff, family yeah. and, you no know. doubt about it. I think uh, one, one last thing, and I don't want to go on about this forever, is I'd, I'd probably be remiss if I didn't uh, kind of go in on Tim Stowers a, a little more. I GA'd for him. He's talking about a guy that was super good to me, and I probably wouldn't be where I am, truthfully, in the profession if it weren't for him, or I know I wouldn't be. But he was a – you know, he's at Georgia Southern as the O-line coach, Paul Johnson as the O-C, and they kind of put this kind of – double slot plan with the run and shoot and the counter. Right. We kind of put all that together back in the late eighties. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's been pretty good. And if you look at option football today, it really all kind of stems from that, the people that are doing it really well. And he is uh, just super knowledgeable, but a super good guy and it's been awesome to me. He is now the head coach at Southwest Mississippi uh, and just had a good run at, uh, at a junior college there as the OC and got to the national playoffs and, from I think winning one game the year before he got there and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, well, he's continuing his uh, his reputation. The same thing happened up at Rhode Island. I mean, you know, I mean, just a tremendous turnaround. And and uh, you know, I know we talked a, a while ago. Well, not a while ago, a couple weeks ago about maybe trying to get him on too. That right. you know, guys that can, like you said, the guy that can tell you, you know, why they loaded it and when they loaded it, and right. you know, uh, that. <laughs> I mean, the history of football, yeah. I mean, you know, like that, those kind of guys you want to talk to. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Coach, that's that's awesome, man. So, you know, great history. Uh, you know, real quick, because um, my kids are going to be coming through the high school that I'm going to be coaching or that I'm coaching at now. What was it like to, to play for your dad? I mean, just real quick, what, what was that like? It was awesome. I, I don't know, you know uh, – I've heard war, you know, war stories and horror stories about that, but he was great. Uh, he he kind of, you know, he coached me, but he coached me like everybody else. He didn't right. he didn't bring it home with him. He, you know, wasn't overly critical any more than he was of anybody else. But right. I enjoyed it. I had a I had a great experience with him, and you know, he's a he's an old school ball coach, and we were. In the eye with two tight ends running power and ISO and running inside and outside veer and 
he, yeah. he was great. He, and he's a grinder, hardest working guy I ever run across. And he's retired now. And now he's decided he wanted to be a watermelon farmer. So he, uh, oh. he he's a go-getter, man. But no, I, had, I had a great experience playing for him. Well, that's awesome. Awesome, Coach. I, yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to hear because, again, you know, the part of the reason why, you know, I came to the school I'm at now is because, um, you know, number one, a couple of those guys played for us at Wayne Murray. Number two, my kids are going to be coming through this school, and I just wanted to be around them, you know. Um, I, you know, my oldest looks like he's going to play football. I'm not sure about my youngest yet, but, you know, just to be able to be around those guys and, and coach them and, and stuff. So it's always interesting to hear get people that – were coached by their dads, you know, like yeah. how that went. So. Yeah, he was good, and he didn't uh, try to put any undue pressure on us, and he didn't he didn't push it on us. It's just uh, it's what we all wanted to do, and we played, and we had fun. I got an older brother that coaches in Atlanta that, that played for him as yep. well. So, yeah, I think we both would say it was probably the experience of our life. So That's awesome. Well, Coach, another question that kind of go in a little different, more more different direction, you know, as the O-line coach and, and the run game coordinator, uh, you know, when you're, you're you know, for coaches that are listening that are going to run the option or they've been running the option, I think, you know, obviously the O-line's a critical part of it. But, you know, I think a lot of guys may struggle on, you know, how do I identify my tackle or uh, or who do I put at center or and why? And so, like, for you guys, you know, how do you – you know, you got guys coming in from naps, like you're talking about earlier. You got regular admission kids. You know, how do you identify your tackles, your guard, your center? You know, how your you know how your O line personnel is going to match up. What, you know, what kind of traits are you looking for in those guys, and why? Well, in the past, and and it's changed a little bit, and I'll kind of go into it. But just traditionally, you know, the tackles have been kind of the second level guys guys that are re-releasing, working the linebackers, guys that are outside of releasing, working to the linebackers. So those are, those guys have probably been the more athletic guys uh, and didn't have to be the heaviest guy in the world. Gotcha. I'd love to have some length so you can pass protect and those sort of things. Uh, you know, kind of traditionally the guards are the guys that kind of have to do it all. So probably the toughest thing they have to do is base block. Uh, so we need some right. inside. So we need some explosiveness inside. But, again, they have to pull – uh, they have to trap. They got to have to be able to pass pro. So to me, those guys have to be, you know, probably your your best football players, is what I would say. Now at center, we we've, we've kind of gone two ways. When we athletically, we used to kind of get another almost tackle type body at center, a guy that can move, can work to the next level, can scoop, could get up. Uh, but as the years have gone by, playing the other service academies, um, you know, running as much midline as we run. Right. Zero noses we're getting. You know, we've put right. yep. big bodies in at center as well in the past. So, um, so that's kind of what we, we're kind of trending towards, almost like the guard-type bodies. That being said, now we're running so much zone option, our tackles, you know, they need some mass as well too. So if you look at the, a Navy line and you looked at our kind of our roster depth chart maybe 10 years ago, We've gotten so much bigger. You know, we're we're just about 300 pounds across the front now. Um, a few years ago, we were 260, 265 at tackle. So we still want the big athletic kid, uh, but we need a guy with a little more length and maybe a little more mass, and and uh, somebody can move somebody. And then the guards, obviously, we need you know we need the, the real deal at guards. So. Right. 
Yeah, and I'm sure the guys you're facing, you know, particularly with so much either odd front or bare front things y'all are seeing, um, you know, you got to have a little bit more bigger, beefier, stronger guy in there. Um, I, I know the Naval Academy's kind of helped you guys the last several years with keep, you know, allowing those guys to stay, you know, though that big, you know. Yeah, so uh, the the rules haven't really changed since I've been here. You know, right. the, the rules of the academy and the fitness of the young man has, has been the same. They have to do a, a physical test twice a year. Right. Push up, sit up, run, or stationary bike. And then the graduation requirement has not changed. And I think the graduation requirement at our place is the most stringent of the service category. Yeah. Our guys yeah. have to run a mile and a half in 10 and a half minutes to graduate. And there's guys that are finishing the football season at 300 pounds plus sometimes. And they've got to do that by the time they graduate in uh, early May. So weight loss and running and conditioning, huge <laughs> second semester for all these guys. Yeah, that's uh, that's good motivation to lose some weight, right? <laughs> but it, back to the uh, the other thing is we try to fit guys in all these molds. But truthfully, what we try to do is we try to get our best five guys on the field. Um, we had a guy a couple years ago that had the, kind of the perfect tackle body. A uh, kid, John Dowd, that played for us, ended up starting for us two years at guard. And the reason we moved him to guard is because, well, we had two good tackles. And he was going to be the third tackle, and he was just one of our best five. Uh, didn't have the prototypical body, but he was a good football player. And then now we got a kid, Ford Higgins, who's probably the smallest kid we've had in a few years. He's 6'1", 265 pounds. But the reality is he can play tackle for us, he can play center for us. And if we threw him in at guard, he probably could play guard because he's just a football player and he's athletic and he's explosive yep. and all those things. So, yep. you know, you can overthink these things sometimes too, you know. No, right. So we, we right. just want to get the best guys on the field and uh, try to go from there, you know. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. I mean, you know, and I, you know, when I was getting into it, you know, um, that, that, you're right. That's how it was. You had smaller, more athletic guys that tackle that could block in space and, and, and block second, third level guys, and your guards were your pluggers. You know, I mean, they had to they had to block a three technique, man on man, but so that you know, so that your play side tackle could get to the second level, and you didn't have to double team that guy. And that's you know, and then that that you know that that affects the perimeter and everything else you're doing. So, uh, you know, the other thing too is is we had the luxury to go out and recruit. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of you guys, the high school coaches, you go, you got to play with what you got. So right. just find some football players and, and put them in there and coach them up and, and do the best you can. I, I think in, uh, you'll be fine. So. Now, now do y'all do um, – what kind of like uh, – like do you guys quiz your O-linemen um, a lot? Or like you have like – I know there's some programs out there you can use. I, I haven't really gotten into those. But I was always interested in hearing like how you guys – because like you are saying earlier, though, those guards – those guards – you know, they have a lot on their plate, you right. know, and and how are you, you know, uh, making sure those guys are where they need, you know, where they need to be mentally, and because right. they got a lot. Well, not only do they have a lot on their plate football wise, they got a lot on their plate academically there right. too. So, so what we try to do is, uh, and just the reality, we came, you know, Ivan kind of decided to do this a few years ago. Is basically when you run option, you attack fronts and you attack coverages. So you'd attack a a 3-4 a certain way, you'd attack an eight-man front a certain way, you'd attack a 4-3 a certain way, you'd attack a bear a certain way. So we we initially install the plays first fronts. 
So basically we start off, say, all right, we're, we're going against a 50. So we'll spend a few days installing our offense you know, versus a 50 front. Then we'll right. spend a few days installing the offense versus a, a 4-3. Then we'll spend time on a eight-man front. Then we'll spend a little time on a 3-3 stack. We'll spend time on, you know, things like that. So we install it that way. And then we come back after we do that, and then we start mixing them all together. So just uh, when we run our team option period. So, so we make sure they're thinking, they're communicating, they're using their rules. Um, so that's kind of how we do the big picture of it. Just in the old line room, uh, you know, obviously we install it that way. And then week to week, we'll, we hand out play sheets. And we kind of go through the plays that we're going to run against the front or fronts that we expect to see. Uh, so we do that. We do give them tests, um, you know, periodically throughout camp, throughout the season, where we'll just say, Here, here's a, a, a page and here's a 50 front and here's our top five runs. Draw up our top five runs, all position, and then maybe our top two or three pass protections. So we do yeah. a lot of quizzing. Uh, we put the guys on the board a lot. I try to – and Coach Nehemiah's big on this is, – is we like to have – uh, instead of a one, one-way monologue, we'd like to have a two-way dialogue. So we ask a lot of questions. Uh, so when we install the plays, a lot of times I'll ask, you know, just go down the line, you know, right tackle, what's the play side tackles rule here? Communicate that, right guard. And so I'll, as I'm kind of installing it, I'll have the guys basically, the older guys communicate what their rule is, their coaching points, their thought process, what their first step's going to be, what their line of scrimmage calls are. So we try to, as much as we can, uh, have them talk through it. And then the other thing we like to use is a lot of walkthroughs as well. Yeah. Out of their, their seat. And, uh, the one thing I know about this generation, and I don't know that I'm any different, is as many different kind of methods of teaching where things stay fresh, where you're moving. I think if you get up on the board and you talk for 30 minutes, I think you'll lose them. I think they'll fall asleep. I think if yep. you – you put on the film for 30, 40 minutes straight. I think half of them in the back will fall asleep. So five minutes of this, 10 minutes of this, get them off their feet, stand up, take a break, sit them back down, start over. Uh, you know, kind of active learning, I think, is probably the way to go. Yeah, I agree. And, and i tell you, one of the more impressive things, you know, uh, like why well, bring the staff up when I was at Grafton, right? So we'd go break up in your groups. And, you know, you guys, you know, we'd listen to your – position meetings but the most impressive thing for me was like like for instance you'd have to go you know you'd have to go do something and you'd say hey uh you know so and so maybe as you're starting right guard hey you know talk to coach mcleod about uh you know inside veer versus front and and you know the kids would go he'd stay and and we'd sit there for 30 minutes and it was like you know it was like he was like your extension you know what i mean like because you could see because the way y'all taught him and the interaction between the two and the ownership the kids had in it, like, you know, I mean, it's unbelievable. Here, here's a 22, 21-year-old kid up there, you know, talking to me about, you know, how to block a, you know, a, a, an odd front inside veer and whether, whether we should loop or veer to tackle. And he's a guard, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was just awesome. It was just you awesome. Know, to that note, uh, so, you know, we can spend time with them in the summer now. Um uh, per NCAA rule, we could meet with them and things like that. We, we do not do that. Coach Nehemiah does not want us doing that. He wants these guys to have some time to themselves, give them a little freedom. So our players actually run all of our meetings, our install meetings during the summer. So they're doing that themselves right now. They're watching video. They're taking tests. 
they're doing walkthroughs. They're running through uh, position-specific drills on their own with no coach interaction whatsoever. Right. We've got an awesome group of kids. I, I'll say this. Uh, I don't know if I could have done that in North Alabama. You know, we've got <laughs> kids well, too. Coach, Coach, I'm going to tell you now, our, the crew I was at with Clemson, man, uh, there ain't no way they'd have left us alone to do anything. <laughs> I understand. So, well, it, it, we, got, we have great kids. But I think you can do that on any level, too. You know, if you empower the kids and um, keep it simple and you, you teach them the base concepts, I think, you, I think you guys can do that at any level. Yeah, you know, and we were talking, too. You know, I took that 3D coaches class, three-dimensional coaches class, you know, and, you know, really – looking at strategies like you're talking about, you know, empowering the kids to, to, to teach the younger ones or, right. you know, to take some ownership in a drill. And, and we really, or at least I did, me and Andy this spring really worked hard, you know, because we, you know, we got a pretty good group of freshmen coming in, to be honest with you. And we got a pretty good group of juniors and seniors. And so, you know, we took the time to, you know, like I took the time to let my, my uh, defensive tackle, you know, uh, just teach stance to the kids, you know, this spring, you know. Um, and and I, I think that's, you know, like you're talking about with today's learners and today's you know, players, uh, they, they get more benefit today uh, out of doing things like that than listening to me for 10 minutes talk about how – where their hand needs to be in relation to their body, you know. I mean and, – and, and I say that, you know, I don't want to lay it all on the kids. I think – I think our society, I think we're all like that. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I can't stay too focused too long on one thing either. Well, I need to change things up for myself. So, I, I, it's an, not an indictment of them maybe any more than it is an indictment of ourselves, you know. I agree. I agree. You know, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I hear we – and I'm guilty complaining about cell phones, and here, here I am on one, you know. And, you know, so I'm with you. Yep. I'm with yep. you. Coach uh, – uh, Let's kind of talk about how, you know, option football can, can create a positive atmosphere or, or – I hate to throw the word culture out there sometimes because I think it's maybe overused when people don't exactly understand what culture means. But let's just, you know, in terms of that, what kind of – in your opinion, kind of how does option football lend itself to a positive team uh, culture or attitude or, or, or demeanor for, for that matter? Right. Well, I, I certainly think it does. but. I think there's one thing that's important. You know, obviously, I think it lends itself to that. But you can do it in other – you know, other offenses can do it. Obviously, there's a lot of people out there that are doing a good job coaching football and have great cultures and great teams and selfless kids as well. So, but, I, but option football in particular, in my opinion, I think it just kind of – I think it just automatically teaches it without you having to try to do it. Because, you know, it's a – you got to be pretty selfless to play in it. Uh, now, as coaches, we got to be smart to get the ball to the guys that can do something with it, too, you know. So, right. uh, knuckleheads about that. But, you know, <laughs> any particular play, the quarterback can handle the ball, the fullback can handle the ball, the slot can handle the ball. And even in option football, because it's so it's numbers oriented, you can have a go to guy that you're trying to get the ball to, and you may have to check the play the other way. So, uh, I think that. In this day and age, and I, I certainly don't want to be critical because there's a lot of good things that are coming out of this, but of the day and age of the seven-on-seven seven and all these camps and where everything's about me, 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 uh, you know, option football is kind of the antithesis of that. You know, it's, yep. it's 
it's, it's about the team. I mean, it's just, it, it is. And um, I think it's probably more relevant today than it's ever been. I think uh, the ability to be successful, if you look at what's going on at all levels of football, from high school teams around the country winning championships, if you look at what the service academies are doing, if you look at what Wofford's done, if you look at what Lenore Ryan was doing, if you look at the success that the Citadels have, uh, you know, had recently, Furman's got it back going again, running option. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty pretty evident. Kennesaw State, a, a startup program, they're doing a great job there. I know those guys well. Uh, I mean, college football and option football is, is, is kind of rocking and rolling right now and maybe not getting the credit it deserves. But there's no doubt that it, it preaches and teaches a, a, a team-first mentality. Yeah, you know, I, exactly. And, and, and you know, um, in our introductory podcast, Tony and I kind of talked about kind of what brought us to, to this point as far as, you know, coaching and wanting to have, you know, option as our basis uh, for offense. And, you know, just having, you know, gone against you, you and uh, the Air Force when I was at Memphis, um, you know, you could see uh, like, like when, when a guy scored, like the whole team ran down there to celebrate, you know. Um, the linemen were high-fiving each other. Uh, when you watch film, you could see the communication. Um, and, and just from a defense perspective, when you're watching that, you know, you realize really quickly, hey, these kids are all in tune, working together. Uh, they seem to enjoy it. Right. Um, and they're having fun with it. And it kind of creates that, that identity that you want, you know, with your team. And uh, even, you know. I've been here uh, 11 years. I, I just can't remember ever hearing a kid complain about getting the ball. Uh, and, I, you know, basically my whole career I've been in this offense. I just I – I, I just hadn't been around it where people were more concerned about themselves than they were about the team. Now, that being said, obviously as coaches, you have to build that culture. You have to communicate that. You have to talk to them about the importance of – what we're doing and what we're trying to do. And obviously, if we're good coaches, we're going to find a way to get the ball to those guys that are difference makers and playmakers. Um, and that's, that's, what, that's what we're here for. That's our job. But, no, you're, you're 100% right. We just don't have those issues. We don't have those problems whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it's just awesome to be able to watch it. And, and, and again, <clears throat> you know, I think sometimes people may think, oh, well, you know, the, the kids at the academies – you know, they're being taught to defend the country. There's a certain mindset there. Uh, I don't know that I can do that in my situation, let's say. But, but I'm going to tell you, I mean, like you just named off about eight schools, right, that are either doing really well now or they weren't, and now they're, they're in that culture and they're running that type, and their defense is bought into it as well, and now they're having a lot of success. And, and I just think the proof is right there. And it doesn't have to be just about the colleges, you right. know. Uh, you know, I think high school teams and high school coaches can do those same things, you know. Yeah. And, and of course, we're biased, right? So this is an option podcast. And you're right, you know, you can do it a thousand different ways. But I think when it just comes to just how you practice, how you install, how just how the play, just just an inside veer play, just take that for example, just the play itself, the mechanics of it you know, how the kids move and what the, the constraints are, what you're trying to do. I mean, that's just – it's just unselfish. It's just an unselfish play. You know what I mean? Like, just the play itself. Yeah, it is. No, it's, it's awesome. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, no doubt about it. 
So a uh, couple more questions, Coach. Uh, if I remember right, you know, and you talked a little bit about it, so you've been either in the wishbone or you've coached with guys that did wishbone. You were eye option. Uh, you guys have, you know, uh, done some gun stuff uh, of late. And, of course, now you've been in the flex bone for, what, I guess you said 10, 12 years now. So what's, in a way, what's your favorite option formation maybe to run, you know, to run uh, – in other words, it's all triple, right? But what's your f favorite uh, formation to run it out of, maybe? Obviously, I, I, I think probably the double slot because the ability to balance the field up, the ability to go where you want to go, um, to get to angles and the schemes and all those things. So I think double slot, obviously with the motions to be able to run counter plays off of it and those sort of things. So I, I think what we're doing here, I think what uh, we did at Bucknell, what we did at Rhode Island, what – uh, Tim Stowers, you know, Paul Johnson was there. They kind of came together uh, at Georgia Southern. I think the double slot stuff is, is great. Now, here's what I'll say about that, though, is, uh, you know, a lot of people have asked me, well, well, why have you guys gone to the gun stuff? You know, why are you doing some of these things with the success you've had? It's just the reality is, oh, our ultimate goal is, is very simple. It's to win games. And uh, the service academies were – really given, you know, all of us were playing great defense against each other. We were having a hard time moving the football. And we went out to Air Force a few years ago, and I think we rushed for 37 yards. And, and uh, we all knew this, but we came back, and Coach Neumont goes, well, something's got to give. You know, we, we can't continue to do this. So that's where that came from. So what, what we try to not do is be hard-headed about it either. You know, we want to win games. Uh, so that's where that's come from, and it, it's been successful for us. When we were in North Alabama – Willie Slater's background was wishbone. He'd won championships in wishbone. Well, we had an All-American tailback, Tyrone Rush, who was drafted, who played in the NFL, who made the NFL roster, and it would, it would be kind of foolish not to kind of feature him. And so basically what it was was a little bit of the version of what uh, they did at Colorado when they had those great tailbacks and they went to like an eyebone. So basically we were okay. able to be in three backs – with a slot and we could move him around. He was our loader. He was our art blocker. But we always right. knew who the fullback was. We always knew who the, the tailback was going to be. And then off that, uh, we, were, we ran some ISO. We ran some lead draw plays. So there were some plays where we'd just turn around and hand the ball off to the guy because he was that dynamic. So to me, that's just being a good football coach. And it, you have a player and you have a skill set that you need to use. Uh, it just wouldn't have made sense to, to be a double slot football team, you know. Right. Yeah, makes complete sense. Um, it, it also, one one other thing too. What, what um, like, give us like one thing. Maybe you feel like you guys do great from like a like an off season or a program thing. It could be like a character class, or although maybe that's getting taught at the college there. I don't. But maybe something like a high school coach could take away. You know that he could maybe you know get with his guys and try to you know, try to do or implement, you know, with his program? I think probably the, the biggest thing that we do at the academy is just very simple. And Coach Neumont says it all the time, the standard is the standard. And uh, we hold ourselves to a high standard. We want to win games. Uh, but at the same time, we want our guys to do what's right, uh, on and off the field, carry themselves in a certain way, do well in school, treat others uh, with respect. Um, and basically, if we see anything that isn't living up to our standard, you know, we correct it. Um, and our, our 
goal for the program, Coach Nehemiah, you know, kind of post our program goals all the time. Our number one goal, it has nothing to do with winning and losing games. Our number one goal is to build men of character. Um, so that's what we're in it for. That's what we're trying to do. And we're under the belief that if we do those things and we hold these guys accountable uh, and let them live their life now, I'm not trying to say be oppressive and not, not trying to micromanage their life, but uh, just hold them to a standard. Right's right. Wrong's wrong. Uh, keep it real simple. And if we'll do those things and we'll try to build men of character, the football stuff will take care of itself, the wins and the losses. And, uh, and coaches under the belief, and I am too, is, you know, you, if you're going to you know, hold your standard, self to a standard, it can't just be in football. It's got to be in all aspects of life. And uh, the little things do add up. Um, so discipline and toughness, and that's kind of our calling card, and that's what we try to hold them to. And uh, I think we do a pretty good job of it. Now, obviously, we got great guys, and then we get great support from the academy as a whole. Um, you know, so when they're not under our watchful eye, they've got – They've kind of got a, a, another set of eyes on them all the time and, and things like that. So, we, you know, we're blessed to be here and have the support that we have from the academy as well. Right, exactly. And, and uh, you know, just, you know, the ability to uh, to be able to, you know, to correct it like you were saying and not, not necessarily be worried about who it is or why and just, you know, see it and nip it in the bud and fix it. And, you know, I think that's – I think – you know, attention to detail and kind of just staying after it, you know, continuing to, you know, talk to the kids and engage them and ask another question. And, you know, just uh, that's, that's really what I've learned, you know, just from being up there watching you guys and, you know, take doing some of this off season stuff is, you know, just building those relationships with the kids so that, so that, you know, <clears throat> you can coach them hard. I, I you know, like, yeah, I mean, it, the days of being one way, you know, on the field and not being another way off the field, I kind of think that's kind of moving on, you know. Um, and a couple of, you know, as you talk, a couple of things that Coach Nehemiah says to us all the time is, uh, you just kind of mentioned it, uh, one of his favorite quotes is, doing right never gets old. And it's just a, you just got to do it day in and day out. And you got to be consistent. You got to be the same person that walks in every day. You got to be the same guy that goes on the field. Uh, the other thing he always says to us, and he harps on it, is be demanding, but don't be demeaning. Uh, nothing's personal. And he talks about it a lot, and it kind of sounds corny, but he goes, you know, if we if everything we do is uh, because of our love for these guys, they will let us coach them. They'll respond to them, to us. And, and um, yeah, I think there's a certain level of – love between the players and the coaches and the players to the players and in the coaching staff. You know, we've got the, maybe the longest tenured staff in America. Uh, so we're trying to do things for the right reason. You know, obviously we want to win football games and we are very demanding, you know, what we ask them to do, but uh, we're generally trying to do things for the right reasons. Coach, that's, I mean, that's awesome. You know, we, we were extremely excited to, to have you on. Um, before I let you go, okay. uh, if you could do me one favor, I'm a history guy, right? So, like, and I'm, you know, I'm here in Williamsburg, and like I told Tony in, the, in our introductory podcast, you know, you know, 80% uh, uh, of our history happened in about a, you know, hour, two-hour radius of where I'm at. But 
the the one of the big plays, or I, I don't want to say hotter play. I, just one of the things that I think you know a lot of option coaches have been talking about in the off season as far as you know as far as just the scheme goes is is zone option. Right. Uh, I don't really want to get into the X and O's of it, but I'd love to hear the history of it, Coach. Like, we're you know you're in a situation where you're in a game or you're in a practice or you're in a film room and you're going, you know, gosh, you know, we defense does this to us. What are we going to do, or what, or or what can we do? You know, so just not not. I don't want to go into the scheme and the X and O, but just I just want to hear the history of. It. Well, it, it was um, it was pretty simple. Is we were we're playing a team that was kind of giving us fits. Uh, they were kind of making us pitch the ball, and then they were playing super super hard corners. So the ball is getting pitched, backers scraping outside, and we're getting hard corners, and we wanted to find a way to pitch off the corners, okay? So we started playing, uh, Ivan kind of had always been a proponent of this, and we were tinkering with it. We started getting in these tight sets. So we're right. getting uh, kind of the, the flex sets. We're bringing the wide receivers in really tight. And what people kind of made people do is kind of cloud support it. We'd get cover two and we'd get these tight sets. So that's really where it started. And it started three, four, where we could run the play, get the ball out to the corner. And then we started running and having success. Well, you know, then the thing came, well, we can do the same thing if we're getting an even front. Now we've got to block it just a little bit differently. But it was just a way to get the ball and kind of take it where we didn't have to deal with this uh, really hard support corner guy, a way to get the ball on the perimeter and get it outside. And it, it started with the flex sets. And when we got in those sets, we're, we started saying, all right, well, what can we do to get the ball out here? Right. One of them was outside beer, but but another way to predetermine it and kind of get some space there and get it, get us running and stuff. But without going too deep into it, that's kind yeah, of yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I just I, you know I, I'm just I like I said I'm a history guy in general, uh, and I find it interesting the evolution of stuff. You know, right. so like we were talking about earlier. Uh, you know, when 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 you guys were at Rhode Island and or even prior to that, you know, uh, zone zone, you know, zone dive wasn't really a thing, you know. And and as a defensive coordinator, I could squeeze, scrape, pull a safety in the alley. And unless you got out of two by two, you know, that was tough, you know. And so I just find it like Tony and I were talking about the evolution, you know, like like he was uh you know, his high school was Wishbone, right? So he went to the high school. He coaches the high school that he's at. They're Wishbone. And, you know, and then all of a sudden they, they broke the Wishbone and got in double slot. And that was like the spread, you know, back then in the, in the you know, 90s. And, uh, and then now, of course, you see New Mexico. They're in gun running the stuff. And you guys, well, I just, I just think it's really cool to see the history of how, you know, some things have stayed the same and some things have evolved. And that, that, that play, I think, is one that has kind of evolved from a to a real positive to today, along with the formation, you know, right. that, that kind of goes with it. I, I just I really find that interesting, and and you know, I appreciate you talking about it. Yeah, that's probably the the at this point in time, that's probably the number one question we get from people that visit us, and they want to go through that. So no, it's it's been a been a heck of a play for us, and again, the the proof's in the pudding, man. Look at the the numbers, the quarterback touchdowns we've had and all those things. So, it's no, it's been a heck of a football play. But, you know, these defenses aren't – these guys aren't dumb either now. They start figuring these things out too. So, they <laughs> yep. stuff and all that stuff. So, it, no, it's, it's been good, a good deal. 
Well, Coach, I can't thank you enough for being on with us. Um, this has been awesome. Um, and, and I know you guys, like you said, you got your, your, your uh, prep guys coming in today. I know you're busy, so thank you. Uh, from both Tony and I uh, for taking the time to sit down with us. We really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, we wish you the best of luck this year on the season. And, uh, you know, we'll, I'm sure I'll be circling back and seeing you in the offseason. Well, I appreciate you, uh, you guys having me, and hopefully this is worthwhile for the, the listeners. And, and I appreciate what you guys are doing and your service to high school coaches and what you're doing website and all these things. It's a great resource. There's no doubt about that. And um, obviously we're all very passionate about option football and it uh, you know it's 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 pretty special to all of us. So thank you guys as well for having me. All right, that's going to conclude episode three of the Mesh Point podcast. Again we want to thank Ashley Ingram, Matt McLeod. You can follow me on Twitter at run the triple. Again on Twitter at run the triple. You can also find me on FlexBoneNation.com. I run a blog there about option football. And we also have a forum where you can connect uh, with coaches across the country. Hey, Tony, why don't you tell us how we can get in touch with you on social media? All right, guys, go to 3Face Football on Twitter, at 3Face Football, and uh, you'll, you'll be able to follow my account. And um, the cool thing about it is, is every Monday we do something called Mesh Point Monday. And basically I'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic. It's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and uh, to, to get together and network and, and uh, get to know each other and, you know, we'll talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch, uh, catch that every Monday, 8 o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to, to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great, great way to uh, build our networks and, and, and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter. So it's real cool. Also, check out the website, threefacefootball.net. Uh, we've got some cool gear, like Fear the Veer, you'll see in the background here. Uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, mesh point gear, and, and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well. Again, coaches, you can download our podcast on Apple iTunes, uh, the new Google uh, podcast app, or on Stitcher. Uh, and again, you know, go on to uh, iTunes, rate us if you think we're we're any good and leave us some comments about maybe some things you might want us to talk about in future episodes you can also find the podcast at our uh, twitter page at the mesh point um, we've got a twitter page linked to our podcast and also you can find it on on my website uh, flexbonenation.com um, i just put up a, a new section and, and titled podcast you can go there as well again we wish you coaches the best take care